Come here. Come on. Come on. That's the one. Come on. Get in there. Oh, shit. March 27th, 2012. This is the Idle Thumbs post-Kickstarter progress cast, the seventh one. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. And we are recording from the new Idle Thumbs office in the Mission in San Francisco. Currently an empty room. <laughs> Sounds really nice. Uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be this echoey when we really do this thing. When we put stuff in here right now, it's literally just a cube with a floor. Well, a cube without a floor wouldn't be a cube. That's and a true. ceiling. And a ceiling. Also necessary for cubes. Yeah, we've got all those Over things. rectangular pr prism. So, thank you for giving us this cube. Uh, rectangular prism. Rectangular prism. This is probably the most tangible uh, evidence for us actually getting money to do things for real. Yeah, like this, is, this is one of the actual reasons we uh, wanted to do Kickstarter in the first place, was because we wanted an actual office and recording space for Idle Thumbs that we could keep on an ongoing basis. And now we have one. We just have to put things in it now. Yeah, so this is like our excited slumber party uh, recording where <laughs> nothing's actually moved in, but we're just like, yeah, we got to do a progress cast in the office. Uh, it's the most reverberant, horrible space with nothing. We're just standing in a room holding a microphone. But, you know. Yeah, we'll put up, we're going to planning on putting up uh, like sound dampening panels on the baffling. walls. Baffling. We're going to baffle this room. Yeah, mm -hmm. it'll be baffled. We'll be baffled in it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to baffle it. This is going to be awesome. I don't know. This is the coolest thing we've done this far. <laughs> it's super weird that, yeah. that Idle Thumbs has a physical location now. Yeah. That has never been true. In a mailing address? Nearly a decade of Idle Thumbs existing. This is new territory. It's pretty great, though. Physically. And uh, we got to get that fire truck parked out back. <laughs> it's going to be good. We'll post, well, definitely. We'll post some photos uh, somewhere, I guess in the update, of... I'm sure there will be Very some on our Twitter things. feeds. If you go yeah. to our Twitter feeds, you can... Or on the forums and on like our personal Facebook pages of us giving thumbs up and dancing around. Yeah. Don't go to that stuff. I don't, I don't really post anything on Facebook. <laughs> I'll post on your Facebook. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe you can listen to me talk to Brendan Chung now if we're going to stitch these Wait, two. real quick. You were playing Amnesia last night. Oh my God. And I was, <laughs> I was watching you play. And what was really interesting about that experience for me is that being the guy watching over your shoulder, I mentally I was just removed enough from it that none of this, none of the kind of terror of that game was really bleeding through to me. But I can tell you were just on edge. I was absorbing even with, 100 even with of it. like people in the apartment well, like and like and me standing around. Sean was still just because that game when you're the focus of its attention, it just enraptures you entirely and so you were still even when you were like turning around to say things to me i could tell you were just like constantly yeah, type. Uh, yeah just uh, on the edge and it's totally understandable because that's what that game does to you but it was interesting observing it in that way because i've never really seen that before and also i don't know any other thing that i've ever digested where i'm like like the lights were on yeah people were in the house we're having you guys were having like a cogent conversation behind me that I was a part of yeah. and then I would just sort of fall out of it and get into super panic yeah. and then I had weird dreams last night I had terrible nightmares that my teeth got sharp and were falling out it was really strange <laughs> oh, really, really bad yeah and I would bite things and they would crunch 
like the oh, uh, like the bugs, like the, the bugs. bug noises. Really that's bad, one of the, that's one of, honestly one of the most disturbing sounds in any video. The game bug noise, the bug crunching sound is the one thing that did creep through when we were having that conversation. Even not playing too. Amnesia, whenever yeah. Sean's character would start freaking out in the little would show up, I'd sort of have to like, and like well, the thing that, pull out of the conversation and go, oh, bug noise. I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people. I don't know if it's genetic or what, but I'm one of those people who has like an extreme reaction to. Nails on a chalkboard, but not just nails on a chalkboard, things of that particular tenor. Yeah, so yeah. that also includes like people biting their people fork. People biting a fork when they eat. Yeah, which I just, oh my <laughs> god, it makes me go nuts. And the the crunching bugs, uh, skittering crunching bugs sound in amnesia, like falls directly in that yep. space in my brain. So not only is it unnerving just from sort of an atmospheric standpoint, but and it elicits a physical response. It from really, you. really does. Yeah. It really lands right in that space. And so it's incredibly effective. I don't know if that was intentional or not on the part of the sound designer, but it was like that sound really puts me on edge. Oh, it's no, the it's worst. Terrible. It's so good. And yeah, like we were talking about yesterday, that sound shows up so often in a game. Like it's, it's just a systemized effect. So it's not like mm -hmm. yeah. you're not surprised by its presence when it shows up, but it's the most effective thing just even though well, because it's simultaneously, it's the sort of Pavlovian response of, Oh shit. The fact that this is happening gives me just sort of the video game information right. of, oh, my sanity oh, is, is things are getting worse. Line, things are getting bad. But then also, it really is just entirely intrinsically, aside from that kind of notification uh, function, it is just a terrifying sound yeah, always. Just, and so <laughs> yeah. one, or, one or both of those, it, it's at, ruining depending games. on the situation, yeah, is, is, is enough to, uh, to be effective. The, the thing... It's funny that as you, because when they introduce new sounds and new horrific things, it's amazing that like in the game you have to, there's a personal struggle to get over the fear of the new thing they've just introduced and yeah. become comfortable with it enough to explore the space and solve whatever puzzles in there. Yeah. And like I have this running app for like when I go on a run and after I finish it, I can look down and it shows me my rate of speed. It goes, oh, this is, at one point you were running a six minute mile, but you were averaging an eight, mm -hmm. but at one point you were running an 11 yeah. and it's in color. And I would love to see a heat map of my speed moving through an environment. Oh, relative to your sanity. Relative to, just because at the very beginning of an environment, I can't, the game is physically paralyzing. I don't yeah. move my character yeah. very far, very fast, and I stare at the floor the entire time. Well, when Once they, I've when kind they, of got the when layout. dumped you into the water. The area with full Oh my thing. god. You just like I, it took you like two minutes to even start moving. You were just looking around behind you, going like, oh god, no. Uh, no, no, no. I still no. don't even know what to do. Basically you said I have to catch the bus and I went save quit, done. <laughs> I'm still just standing on a box of Without water. Sort of moral backup like that. And I have no yeah, I started yeah, I was are done. You, are you using the Nike uh, app for running? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one where you can choose to play like the power mix when you get near the end of your set. Yeah. So what, what you're saying is I could uh, on the sly, replace your power mix with the bug crunching sound. Oh my god! <laughs> oh so you get like getting near the end of your stretch, you expect Eye of the Tiger to come on, but instead, I would never come back. <laughs> I, would just, I would become like a, a you jog, jogging through the hills of San Francisco in the middle of the night. Like oh my god! You would night die night. in Golden yeah. Park, and a dog would find your arm. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be a feral man. God, that would be an incredible prank to plan someone. Jesus! Oh my gosh! Because then it goes, oh man, you're coming up in your personal best, and then like it ramps up the this music. Because <laughs> 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 I've run through Golden Gate Park at night before, it would make which you is scary enough. You would book it, yeah, yeah. If, it's, if that yeah. bug you start hearing up. people behind you that aren't there, it's really because the tenor of your feet or something. Oh, oh. that's like 
Yeah, I would never come back. My, That'd be it. My worst Golden Gate <laughs> Night experience was just... It, it was, oh my god! I had a legit amnesia experience yeah, at Golden Gate Night. It was, this is an incredible story. Uh, our housemate Adam, uh, Sean and my housemate, we, we did this crazy birthday arc for him, but the first thing that we I had to do was go out to Stowe Lake and tape a package underneath the table on the pagoda, which meant that I had to go to Golden Gate Park at like 5 in the morning. So the uh, goal is that he would wake up at like 7, he would go to Stowe Lake, which is, if you've ever been to San Francisco, Golden Gate Park is, it's very similar to Central Park in that there's the largest uh, urban uh, like park in the country. It is. It's awesome. And it was, it's kind of the, the same era of park as, as Central Park. Uh, a lot of the same uh, sort of designers and ideas behind building it and uh, lots of use of natural space. So there's just trees everywhere, dense foliage everywhere. There are parts yeah. of Golden Gate Park you probably can't get to without like a machete. And the point, the goal was we were trying to figure out when we should put this this clue taped underneath a bench in the dead center of the park, so he would be able to find it at like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. I guess. Yeah. And the night before, Jake and I were planning it out, and he's like, "I'll just get up at four o'clock in the morning." I'll walk out to that bench, I'll tape it underneath there, and come back. And I'm like, okay, I'll set my alarm to make sure that you're out there. Yeah, I'm not usually a person to get freaked out by doing things like walking around in the middle of the night, but inside Golden Gate Park, when it's dark, when you have to walk down the weird nature paths where there's no lights, I started to get the like, yeah. Like looking behind me and stuff. And he's an imposing dude. Like, have you never been Jake? I'm an, like, I'm well, an imposing like, guy. You're over six feet tall, like yeah. broad shoulder. But anyway, like, you know. The stupidest part of all of this is the place where I got freaked out was right outside the Young Museum where there is a light. But the reason that I got freaked out is because I saw, I was, I was walking across sort of the big, uh, the big open space in front of the museum and I saw just another person walking by sort of through like a foggy street light. I was like, oh, there's another guy out here. And he kept walking like perpendicular to me. Like I was walking uh, sort of in front of the museum and he was walking towards it. But then he, st- he got behind a tree and just disappeared. <laughs> I was like, huh, okay. Okay, guess he's just stopping there. Kept walking until, you know, sort of as you walk past a tree, the sort of just parallax and you end up, you know, I started seeing the guy and he was just standing behind the tree. And then right when about two thirds of his body was, was finally exposed from the tree, he just stepped behind it again. <laughs> and I was like, huh, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> Kept walking, stepped behind it again. And again, until he was completely behind me and I had walked entirely past him and he was behind this tree. And that's when I called Sean and said, wake up, get in your goddamn car and pick me up. <laughs> you know, there was a text message where I texted you and oh, I said, that's are right. you cool? I was like, hey man, uh, everything good with uh, planning the evidence? And... God, I have to just go into my archive of text messages and find it and put it up on Twitter because it is something like... It was just like, no, I'm not cool. <laughs> Legitimate hobo man stalking me. It, I, think, I think it, was, it wasn't even that. It was just like guys hiding behind a tree watching me as I walked through the park. <laughs> and then they're like, I'm coming over. I said, do you need me to come get you? And then just one word, yes. <laughs> I feel like I felt like a baby too because by the time you showed up, that was right when the sun came up. So it was like, you pulled up and picked me up, and then like, Chirping Bird and like two old ladies jogging go by, and I was like, what? It was totally scary ten minutes ago. Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. I did catch him right as like, we turned on the lights to his bedroom, and like, his laundry just looked like a monster, so it's like... (laughs) But it was was a real version of the horrible shit that happens in Amnesia, where you just see a figure just disappear behind a door. There was a moment in Amnesia where you, like, you would, uh, there was that door... That you had piled uh, like barrels oh, up in front of you. I got, I got you scared. Went, you I went, put like, barrels in front of you. You had like retraced your steps and like gone around the whole level and like um, uh, followed the wall out to the other side. 
And you came back in this room and you opened the door and it was really dark and just there was, you know, a little bit of light casting shadows. And as you open the door, you see this shape kind of run by the door and you're like, oh my God. And then you went in the room and realized it was just the barrel that had fallen over. That, <laughs> that, that, over that you yourself had stacked on the other side of the door. You created a lame cat jumping out of the garbage scare for yourself. Yeah. That's good. By just stacking barrels up against the door because I'd been afraid. 10 and before. when I saw it too, it really, like, I was startled when I, when I saw it as well because it really looked like a shape just... Had, had darted by. It was really amazing. Yeah. God, that game is amazing. It does things to you. We should talk about that more when we're not in Reverb Town, USA. Yeah. Or is that the perfect place to talk about No, it perhaps. probably sounds horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just stepping on crunchy bugs. Uh, God, that game. I'm, I'm also super excited about what Dan Pinchback and the other the Chinese Room developers do with a machine for pigs. Yeah. That was a weird voice. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> that just sounded uh, like a weird surrealist dot. I know. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I assume our readers know, but in case you don't, the uh, the small studio behind Dear Esther, which was originally a source mod that got uh, remade into a standalone game that you can get on Steam, it was in the IGF. Um, Dan Pinchbeck, the writer, and the rest of the, I don't know the other names of the people on the team, but he and the rest of his team have been contracted essentially by Frictional, the studio that made Amnesia to make the next Amnesia game, which is called Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs, which is an incredible name for a horror game. Like, <laughs> yep. just truly incredible. I'm so happy about everything related to this. Especially because Dear Esther is a game that I think was, you know, fairly flawed as a game, but really kind of one of those games where the heart's, its heart is in the right place. And, like, I, the atmospherically it was really strong, and I, I would, I'd be really curious to see what will happen when that team... Uh, just by nature of this project gets put into the context of a more systemic game because I mean it's going game name of the game has amnesia in it like it's going to be presumably not massively dissimilar in terms of gameplay but I expect the all of the sort of atmospherics and the dynamics of the thing to be really informed by the aesthetic that the those guys had at the answer I'm, I'm really I think yeah. that's just great I think it's, it's an really awesome cool. like it's a really interesting move I, I wonder how they arrived at it. But it was, I can't wait to see what it is. I hope that it was just the Amnesia guys played Dear Esther and fell in the water and said, okay, these guys should work on an Amnesia game. <laughs> Hopefully it's what happened, basically what happened when uh, Brendan ended up making 30 Flights of Loving where it's just, what if this weird thing happened? Oh, I, I guess that these yeah, people want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, actually. Um, Sig! We have a, uh, an interview that, um, or not even so much an interview, but a conversation between Sean and Brendan that Sean recorded when he was down in L.A. a week or so ago. So we will just uh, go right into that right now. Cool. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. We'll have updates on, on the uh, office and what we do. We'll probably be taking photos as we get this thing painted and furnished and everything over the next couple weeks. Sweet. I'm Sean Vanneman, alone. But I'm actually with Brendan Chung down in LA, and I came down here to do some personal business, and here I am with you. We recorded a, a progress cast up on the roof uh, of the barbecue, and it didn't work out, so here we are doing a good one. <laughs> yes, I can't wait to do this one. It is monsoon season here in LA, and we're in my car. <laughs> but uh, first off, thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to do a crazy thing with us we really like the game a lot um shouldn't be too long before people get it in their hands yeah yeah i can't wait to uh put it in people's hands and see what they think of it do you, like 
do you spend much time thinking about that? Obviously the playability of your games, but when you think about your very specific creative style, do you actually worry about that ever? Or do you just, are you always, it must be really interesting to see how people digest that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like for me, I think it's more interesting to to make stuff that I know will probably appeal to a very small amount of people. But it's fun because no one else is really making stuff for those people, so I get right. to make that stuff, so yeah. it's fun. Definitely. Uh, it's like this crazy renaissance time of things like that, though. It's like, it feels like, at least when I first played Flotilla, and mechanically, the game was so sound, and it really spoke, like, we were, I was trying to talk to Chris the other day about things I really like about that game, and it occurred to me just the sort of infinite problem solving with 3D space that that game allows you, just sort of angles and how am I going to get to this one point in the map while this other thing is moving at a certain speed is actually the strategy point I like of that game. And when it just smacked me in the face with rogue penguins with eye patches, that, <laughs> like, like nobody is doing that stuff. And did you, did you, when you first layered that stuff in, was that just more to entertain yourself? Because I generally do that. <laughs> I don't know, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um... Like, it's outer space stuff. It's very, like, Star Control 2-inspired. But I felt that if I were to try to do alien stuff, I know that there's a bazillion other artists out there who would do a much, much better job than I do, than I can do. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what? Animals in space. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Pandas, penguins. I love that stuff. And that, I guess we were, we were talking earlier about just sort of figuring out what your personal limitations are and saying that's just what this is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Is that... I guess that's part of it then. I mean, to some extent, where... You know, well, this is what I can do, so I'm just going to do this and make it mine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel that if I were to ex- extend outside of my current skill set, I would end up with something that's kind of half-assed, kind of like not as good as it should be. Like, But, you know, I know exactly what I'm good at. I know exactly what I'm bad at, and I try to plan my projects around those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when we first talked to you about doing this, it was... One of the most exciting things that happened to us probably in the whole process of putting the Kickstarter together was just getting a zip file from you with four like <laughs> little games that you'd been messing around with over however long. Yeah. Uh, you do that a lot, yeah? Yeah, I mean, my hard drive is full of stupid, broken, ugly projects. That <laughs> it was like a Christmas, see. though. Because every, <laughs> every single one had something like that about it. It wasn't just, here's a gray box place of a thing bouncing around in a, in a room. It was, yeah. here's a Viking in a, in a field with skeletons that are chasing you yeah. and that you're smashing. <laughs> uh, yeah, like then, for me, like the first the first three minutes of a game are probably one of the most important parts of the game. Mm-hmm. So I tend, to, I tend to kind of lavish those three minutes with like the most interesting bits the most polished bits so you guys kind of you guys got to see like the most polished bits of those games i think yeah which is well even then you did the uh the adventure game studio game is that what the ags game yeah that, yeah. that you sent it was essentially for the readers it was a point and click game and it has one of the strongest openings i've ever <laughs> played in a point and click adventure game ever and i make them <laughs> like playing that made me look at the beginning of the Walking Dead game that Jake and I are working on uh, completely differently. You're this sure, guy in a yeah. car, which I found out later is actually a sentient car, and yes. I thought it was just the dude. Dri- I thought it was your driver. <laughs> You're leaning out of this, uh, out of the side of this, basically this hatchback yeah. with a rocket launcher, and it just says, like, what does it say? Like, shooting uh, dragon? Or yeah, keep keep the car steady, dragon. Yeah, keep the car steady, dragon. He's like, you can see him bobbing <laughs> in the window. 
and you click and a rocket scorches across the screen, off screen, you hear a giant explosion and the game begins. Yeah, yeah. And it was, the mo- it was so satisfying. Jake and I talked a lot about what, what was satisfying just about that opening while thinking about what's going to be satisfying for this one minute interaction in The Walking Dead. Right. So it definitely feels like that cool but thought is in there so i don't know if put that feather in your cap walking dead also <laughs> additional design by blendo games Sweet. lawyers will love that uh yeah, yeah. Those, those title sequences i i love doing you mm-hmm. know you can do so much with them mm-hmm. just make that i don't know how to describe it <laughs> <laughs> well I, the funny thing is, is and you know not without to give anything away about the game but your joy of the title sequence is yeah. part of the gameplay at one point of, of sure. 30 flights of loving yeah which yeah. is awesome it's really really <laughs> tremendous uh it's it's one of those moments where we were playing the build when you first put that stuff in and jake just went oh shit because <laughs> he saw exactly what was happening <laughs> oh shit and uh because at that before at one point in the game you were conveying that backstory but with a completely different means right. and we can talk we'll definitely talk about it once the game's out and I liked it. I was like, oh, this is really good. And you're like, oh, no, I'm taking all that stuff out. I have a different thing I'm doing. <laughs> oh, he's taking all, like, all that stuff out. And then, boom. Yeah. Uh, the way you get to know the people you you meet in 30 Bites of Loving is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I put that in because you guys said that, had that feedback. Like, Oh, really? Yeah, because oh. yeah, so at one point you were talking to people and there's a little dialogue thing mm-hmm. that pops up. And you guys kind of like that. But then I, I had my thing in Gravity Bone where I didn't want any dialogue. Right. Like, I'm not a big fan of dialogue in video games. So I thought... How can I try to do what the Adult Thumbs guys are talking about of trying to convey this backstory, but without having you know a screen of text? So that's all. Oh, that's a cool solution. Well, you nailed that out of the park. Yeah, so <laughs> it's so <Excellent>. good. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, and it's good. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that's where you went. And I'm gl- glad you stayed true to what Gravity Bone was about for sure. Yeah. I mean, it definitely. And again, the conceit of this game is so different and uh, than Gravity Bone, but. I think people... Also, if you haven't played Gla- Gravity Bone and you're listening to this, go play Gravity Bone, for Christ's sake. Like, right now, just stop listening to this and just go over to Blendo Games and download Gravity Bone and play the crap out of it, because it's, it's really, really fun. Uh, and it'll get you jazzed for having backed uh, this Kickstarter, because uh, you have a treat coming towards you. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it has been super cool just to see your process and to be... Even just we give you know we we really try to not give too many notes because we just wanted to see you make stuff and it was really really thrilling it was really cool. really this entire process has been so much it's been a lot of hard work and you know a lot of meetings and the three of us just sort of you know figuring out how the heck we're gonna pull this off but whenever a build would come through I was like we're not doing anything we're playing this <laughs> and it was really fun so thank you no yeah it was awesome working with you guys and um, Chris Remo's awesome music was you know perfect for the game it was really yeah. cool. Well, I, and again, it's funny, I just I said this over over coffee, but Chris writes music that if I had any talent whatsoever, and this is a, a compliment I paid to him directly, I think, at least I hope. Chris, if you're listening to this, listen to this. <laughs> um, if I could write music, I would just want to write the style of things that he is capable of writing. It's just such, it's pitch perfect in the game. It's really yeah. pitch perfect. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when it dropped in the first time, I know he was thrilled, obviously, <laughs> and... Jake and I both gave each other the oh shit smug face again, like oh man, this is there's something here. So got to stop doing that face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, thanks. It's been a thrill, and uh, we'll definitely we we'll get you up to San Francisco and have you on a real cast. Excellent. Cool. Love it. All right. 
Goodbye, dear readers. Thanks again. Bye. I think this is the right one.